Congratulations. You finally have that brand new AP job, or maybe you're walking into a different new leadership position, or maybe into a different school, or maybe you aren't going anywhere yet. Today, my special guest and I are going to dig into the four essentials that many of the support programs for school leaders miss. These are four essentials to help you take care of you so you can stay and play the long game. Leadership isn't a sprint. I'm not sure it's even a marathon. Maybe it's more like my recent Penine Way hike of 270 miles, but longer, much longer. The thing is, you can't stay in the game if you're injured, whether that's physically, emotionally, or spiritually. Today's podcast will help prevent those injuries and keep you in top form so you can continue supporting and growing others for years to come. Hello, colleagues, and welcome to the Assistant Principal Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Frederick Buskey. We are all on a leadership journey. Every day, we have a chance to grow. Every day, we have a chance to help others grow. My goal and the goal of this podcast is to help you grow into being a strategic leader, a leader who puts people before purpose, who solves problems instead of treating symptoms, and who understands the difference between progress and action. Through this podcast, my daily email and virtual programs, I'm working to build a network of inspired and inspiring school leaders. Let's get started on today's adventure and this unique opportunity to learn to live and lead better. William D. Parker is the founder of Principal Matters LLC, an author and speaker who uses his expertise in school culture, leadership, and communication to equip educators with solutions and strategies for motivating students, inspiring teachers, and reaching communities. In addition to being a teacher, assistant principal, and principal, Will served for five years as the executive director of Oklahoma's Association of Secondary Principals and Oklahoma's Middle Level Educator Association. Will is a former Oklahoma Assistant Principal of the Year and recognized by the National Association of Secondary Principals. He's a prolific author and the host of my favorite podcast for school leaders, Principal Matters, the School Leaders Podcast, a show with more than 1 million downloads. And Will has quickly become a good friend and colleague. Hello, Will. Welcome back to the show. It is my pleasure, Frederick, to be back with you. So, you know, we always start with celebrations. So what are you celebrating today? We were just celebrating off the air the Principal Matters work that I do becoming my full-time work. So anyone who may be familiar with my work may know that I have written and blogged and podcasted and written books for the last 10 years. And um, while working in schools, while working with schools, while working for our State Principals Association, and starting this summer, that work has become full-time, Frederick. So just returned from an event in San Diego. Um, heading out to Columbus, Ohio this week, and just thrilled to be able to do Principal Matters work full-time. Mm, that's so awesome. And I'm really excited for you because I know the amount, the the way you've been able to put ideas together and the amount you've been able to share is really amazing given that the work that you have been doing. 
but now you're going to have some of that time, I think, to play more with your ideas, not, not just get stuff out. And I'm really excited to see what you come up with because you'll have the time to dig a little bit deeper. Thank you. Well, that's already happening and I've been able to bring some new friends into this work and my newsletter is expanding with a a section called Principal Matters Associates just for some folks that want to dig deeper into school leadership. So that's, that's happening, Frederick, and getting to partner with people like you and do additional work by conversations that I may not have had time to do before. And speaking of new adventures or recent adventures, you just came back from one. Tell us a little bit about the uh, amazing experience you just had. Yeah. There's so much. I'm worried we're going to derail the podcast. Well, so we can always state the, the 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 topic of the podcast, and then we'll come back to it after you tell your story. Yeah. So we we were talking about this right before we started the the show. I think the the thing that has stayed with me the most from this trip, and listeners hopefully know, I did a 270 mile through hike of the Penine Way, and I wanted to do this hike for 38 years, and that especially on the front end of the hike, I was so present. I've never been as fully present to an experience, uh, you know, of anything in my life for that period of time. You know, certainly when you do an athletic competition or sometimes when you get in that, that deep flow movement, you have that total focus, but to experience it for days and to be walking through the moors and walking up mountains and not be thinking of anything except feeling the breeze and seeing the flowers and the stones and hearing every little bird and and smelling everything and have your senses totally alive. It's the most content I have ever been in my life. And I I just noticed things and and you know as we were talking before, I think the leadership lesson that I've pulled away from that is about those small things, you know, because we would visit some of these really impressive monuments and huge stone cliffs that were just awe-inspiring. But then right next to it would be a small stone with three tiny, tiny little flowers. And when you're present, you notice how beautiful, how remarkable those little flowers are. Mm. And when we're going through life and we're busy and we have all those thoughts going through us, we only notice the big trees. We only notice the big waterfalls, the big cliffs, or those, some big bush laden with flowers. But the same beauty that's in that big bush, the same beauty that's in that big waterfall is in the tiny little trickle of water, you know, coming out the side of a mountain. It's in the tiny little flowers nestled in the bowl of a stone. Mm -hmm. It's in a single rock. You know, the beauty's everywhere. And what I realize is that when we're more present, when we slow down and stop thinking about this stuff, we notice those small beauties. And and here's the kicker. It is the small beauties that lead to the big beauties. Yeah. So let's you, apply that to school leadership even more particularly, which is for listeners, you're going to be stepping into situations this week, this month, in the days ahead. And it's hard to be present when you're dealing with urgent and busy. And I know that, but, um, but what a privilege to be able to stand even in the midst of a room of a hundreds, hundreds of students that are eating breakfast or lunch. Cause we've both had this experience, Frederick 
and to instead of running through that to-do list in your head, actually pausing to look at the faces and the expressions or sit down across from a student or a teacher and just engage in conversation that is going to help you recognize what's present right in front of you, the treasure that is present right in front of you. And so, man, what a, what a gift that you've had to do that in a place, in a time that you've, that you prepped for, that you dreamed of. Um, but then what a privilege we have sometimes to do it right in front of us. Something you told me off the air, but also before we got on was that that trip has influenced you to stay present. So even now that you're back home and you're back into your routines is asking yourself, how can I stay present in this moment too? So I love that. And I love it because, you know, you have a direction for today's conversation, which is why you invited me in. And, um, and I know we're going to go there in just a moment, but I just think this is such a great analogy for the conversation we're getting ready to have. Well, thank you for that. And, and thanks for that reminder of how we bring that into our school. And, and that sends me back to something one of my mentors taught me is people are the purpose. And sometimes we get so caught up in the work, we forget that people are the purpose. And when you're standing in that room, if you can remember that, you know, that's what brings you into the present moment. And that's where you see those small beauties. Love it. Well, you asked me to participate in this conversation because you had some questions. Um, so why don't you take us there, Frederick? And then I'm happy to add whatever thoughts or ideas that might be helpful as you lead us in today's talk. Yeah. So we just had you on a couple of weeks ago. And so usually don't bring guests back this quick, but I just, I know your passion about not only being a, a good leader, but being a leader that can sustain that can sustain that over a long period of time. And people probably heard your story on the last episode, but in case they didn't, would you just talk to that story um, that you told last time that you shared about almost leaving the profession? Because I think yeah. that that's the thing that really has inspired me in a lot of this work. Well, I was in my second year of school administration, and that first year was as hard and harrowing as you can imagine, because anytime you do something new, it doesn't matter if it's teaching a new class or leading in a new position or the work I do now, everything, anytime I've done anything new, there's a huge learning curve. And my wife and family at that time, we had four small children, were very patient with me that first year, but I was dedicating all of my time to work, which meant I would get up hours before school and work on emails and to-do lists. I would get to school before everyone else. I would manage the urgent most of the time throughout the school day and then stay late into the evenings managing school activities and events and then get home with barely enough time to see the kids before bed. And then I would stay up late after bedtime and work on emails and follow-ups. And one night, and this was two years now. In the second year of this process, my wife sat down beside me one night before bed and just said, can we talk? And I said, yeah. And she said, "Will the kids and I have accepted that you're a dad and a husband on the weekends only. The rest of the time, the school owns you. And she said it with just simple resignation. Um, she wasn't being mean, but she said, "Will you have become a shell of the man you used to be. And so that night I Instead of working, I wrote a letter of resignation and I took it to work with me the next day and I placed it in a folder on my desk and I made a commitment. I'm either going to begin to rediscover ways to care for myself, my family, those areas of my life outside of work, and even within the relationships of work, 
in healthier ways, or this is the letter I'm handing in and I will find a new profession. And so fast forward several years later, I obviously stayed in school admin. I was recognized as Oklahoma's assistant principal of the year in 2012. And it was that story that I've told so many times because it was the memory that stayed with me through my leadership of just recognizing that I cannot lead with inspiration and creativity and motivation unless I'm first taking care of myself and my family. Yeah. And, and so I think for that message, for that story, for new assistant principals, especially because y'all out there listening, you're just starting to wade into it. And I think we do a lot of work helping new people get grounded in their school and knowing the routines and the policies and building the, the knowledge and the technical skills but we don't talk as much about building the things in around you that are going to help you be able to stay in this for the long game. And I haven't figured out the title of this episode, but I think it might be the long game because that's, that's what we're talking about, right? How you survive, not how you survive, how you can thrive over the long term. I love that too. And before we talked, you sent me four areas that you thought would be helpful for reflection. One building a support network, two, creating a morning routine, three, developing an exit plan from work, and then four, anchoring reflective practices, which Frederick, I love the way you think, because when I looked at that outline, I was like, well, here's Frederick's next book, because because <laughs> we, could, we could do an entire book on this conversation, but where do you want to start on that list? I think let's let's start at the top. Let's start with building the network. And I'll say too, as as I was putting this together, I was reflecting on your story. I started reflecting on my own life and and really some of the bad decisions that I made as a leader. And I, and as I worked through this and thought about my own leadership, I realized this this support network. The times that I really failed, I didn't have any of those support network pieces in place. And so that was one of the things that really inspired me to, to lay it out this way. And I think most of us have at least some of these components, the support network, morning routine, exit plan, reflective practices. I think we have some of them, but I really wanted to bullet point it out so that people could think about, okay, can I check off all these boxes, right? Where, where are my gaps? Not that they have to do it the exact way we've laid it out, but I think it's a helpful way for people to start self-assessing and reflecting and being able to fill in some of those holes. I agree. And so let me throw out a couple of suggestions for building support networks, Frederick, and I know you've got great suggestions as well. Uh, I would say first, look at the fellow leaders with whom you serve, because building trusting relationships among fellow leaders is going to be what saves your bacon. And what I mean by that is that in all of the essential leadership relationships that I've had in the past, I've always had to start with an element of who can I trust and who can I lean on, who's going to have my back and tell me the truth, correct me in private, encourage me in public. Um, so I would start there. What do you think you would add to that, Frederick? Yeah, I think that's the, the first layer of your support network is the leader, which if you're an assistant principal, that's your building principle. And that becomes the pivotal 
primary relationship in that support network. And certainly we all have different personalities. We all have different strengths. We all have different blind spots. So that, that relationship with your principal is going to look different depending on all the variables, right? Both, both with your principal and, and you and, and how that fits together. But I do think that's the first place to start and building that trust and figuring out what that relationship is going to look like between the two of you is, is the essential first component because, you know, that's your foundation. And that's the first person you're going to go to for support. It's also the person that is going to help define that role for you and, and share the expectations of, of what they need from you. So let's speak to the principal who's listening right now. And they're like, but I'm in a district that is um, a solo principal, or I'm in a place where there's not a lot of other leadership. Well, look around your community, look around your um, fellow districts. And I would encourage people because of course I had a good relationship with my state principals association. Look at your state principals association and ask yourself, what are the groups of leaders that are already collaborating together where I can jump in and be a part of these conversations because I love my friend, Danny, um, my friend, uh, Danny Bauer, who says, and I know he's quoting someone else and I can't think of who he's quoting. So I'll just quote Danny who says, you know, isolation is the enemy of excellence. And so how can you make sure that you're purposely collaborating, even if that means reaching outside of your district? Yeah. And so it, Community is that second layer. If your first layer is a, the, your leader, the principal, that second layer is community because they can help break down that sense of isolation. And I think assistant principal may be the most isolating job in schools. Um, principalship is isolating, but generally districts, I think, do a better job getting their principals together and, and helping to connect them. So that community is important. And I love that that community can come from so many places. And, and if you went to, to, yeah, yeah, no, I was going to say, and it doesn't have to just be within the school community. That's an area. That's where I would encourage people to look, but I'm remembering back in my early years of school leadership, as I was building that network of leaders, I also had networks of other people in my life outside of education who are also strong influences. I, there was a group of men within our church community who we started holding breakfasts together weekly or twice a month just to connect, talk commiserate, share war stories, encourage each other in growing our families. And these were men of all different ages. So folks younger than me, my age and older. And so those relationships provided me with a safe place where I could come and just sometimes vent about things that were happening that I could tell no one else just because of the confidentiality involved, but the trust that we had too. Yeah. I think that's, that's a critical point. And I think a lot about rural schools and some of those rural assistant principals that maybe don't have a counterpart within their district that are even more isolated. And I know a lot of people are going to online communities. There are big Facebook groups of school administrators. LinkedIn has big, big groups. So that's a place. But I also notice for me, the kinds of conversations that you get, the kinds of support that you can get in those places is, is at a certain surface level. And, and you can't get close enough to people that they can understand your context, right? And, and what you've talked about so far is meeting with people that you developed a relationship with. So I think that's important. And, you know, I've, I have a member of my Apex community 
who talked about being at district assistant principal meetings. She works in a big district and just realizing that her desire to grow her passion for the job was at a different level than a lot of her colleagues. And she was having a tough time kind of connecting. And she wanted those exciting conversations about, you know, how do we facilitate a teacher's meeting in a PLC? And other people were just, you know, not at, not at that place. And that's one of the reasons that she joined my community because she wanted to find other assistant principals that, that were in that same space. And and that story resonates with me because I worked with that assistant principal, but also what I've realized moving into the consulting space, I've also joined a paid community. And I think there's there's value in a paid community and transparency. Like, you know, I run a paid community. Well, I think you're probably, you're starting one, but there's a reason we're starting those because it's one thing to be in a group of people. It's another thing to be in a group of people who have chosen to invest in a certain direction that happens to be the same direction that you're going in. Yeah, I agree. And so if you're looking at paid communities like the mastermind that um, some of my listeners and friends participate in or in the community, Frederick, that you've built, and we have other friends who offer those same kinds of offerings and communities too. Or if you're looking to develop something closer to home. I'm thinking of a friend of mine, um, Dr. Nick Davies in Vancouver Public Schools, Washington State. And he um, last year just sent an email out to as many other APs in his area as he could think of and just invited them to begin to have intentional conversations together around their practice. And they do it through Zoom. Um, and so it's a, it's a, a not paid community participation, but it's just something that's grassroots. I'm thinking of another friend of mine who, um, uh, Deborah Parrish, who's a Oklahoma principal here, who last year just invited a bunch of principals and school counselors together at an area technology center. So there was a central location where all of them could come and the invitation was, let's come talk about practice. Mm -hmm. And so, and so that was in person. So there's just so many ways that you can build support networks, but you're right, Frederick. Um, leaders who want to grow need to be connected to other leaders who want to grow. Yeah. And so the, the third role is the role that your wife played for you, which is the advocate, right? And I, I think we all have advocates, but I don't think we're as, as explicit about it. And so I really like the idea of finding that person that can hold you accountable for being true to yourself and then also for making those commitments to yourself about how you're going to care for yourself, how you're going to reflect, how you're going to unplug from work. And, and so that in your case, your wife, your spouse is a perfect person. There are other roles that can do that. But uh, do you want to talk a little bit more about that, about having that advocate who can help you stay true? I think that... Um... One of the keys to leveraging good advocates is your own openness to correction. And mm. so it's funny, Frederick, when people ask me questions, I almost always have to start by looking in the mirror. And so I, I just want to invite leaders to do the same thing, which is, are you willing for people to reflect back to you areas where you need growth? Because it is painful and difficult and ego 
bruising and all the, it's just not easy for people to point out things that where you need improvement. But I just think it's such an essential part of growth. Um, and I know later, if we have time, we'll talk about some reflective practices, but I think for relationships of accountability to work, you have to have a mindset where you want them to work. So you're inviting and giving permission for someone to tell you the truth without you pushing back on them or treating them in a way that makes them feel like they've violated your trust, but, but being open to that kind of correction. Um, can I tell you a funny story? When my wife and I first got married, we were trying to figure out how to manage personal confrontation and we just couldn't quite figure out the balance. So we, we came up with a really funny system that worked for us for about a year. And I'm not suggesting everyone else do this, but I'm just giving it as a funny example. But we, <laughs> we created this system where as we observed things about each other that we were kind of like, oh, I'd like to talk about this, but this probably isn't the appropriate time. We kind of, I think, I'm trying to remember how we did it. Um, we basically just kept like a mental list of things that we wanted to talk about Um and address. And we had a weekly Saturday morning date over tea and muffins. That was kind of Missy chose the, the breakfast where we would schedule every Saturday morning. We're going to meet at this time. And this is our permission hour to bring up those things throughout the week that we wanted to address about your behavior or my behavior that you have questions about or that you want to address. And so it was a scheduled time to be uncomfortable. It was like on the schedule that we're going to be uncomfortable with each hour for this for this hour and then talk through these things and as weird and goofy as that sounds it was such an intentional productive way for us in that first year of our relationship married relationship to really work through some of those little things that can become big things mm -hmm. um, and then some of those big things that needed to be addressed as well and also just to laugh at ourselves because when we look back at that 30 years later because we just celebrated our 30th anniversary it's also funny how many of those things we still do, uh, you know, <laughs> but, but, but we've just learned to give each other grace and live with. But um, so I don't know if that's helpful for anybody listening, but I just thought I would throw out that memory while it was in my mind. Well, I love that you brought up vulnerability and I think one of the keys to that, two keys, one, we want to get better and we're willing to do the hard work of getting better. The second one is to understand that we all have those blind spots right? There are those things that we do that we don't realize it that aren't, aren't constructive or there are things that we don't do that we need to be doing. And so we've got to be open to being vulnerable and, and we have to seek out that feedback. And an important point, if we have a great principle, that principle can be very direct with us and say, hey, Will, Here's something that you really need to work on. But in a lot of cases, we don't get that from our leaders. We don't get that level of directness that we that we need. And a lot of times we won't get that from the community because they haven't, they haven't seen us in the kind of action. But our advocates that we're close to, they know. And yeah. the other person that knows is the mentor. And that's well, that. it's funny. It's funny because um, this week, my podcast is going to be a reflection cycle with um, my co-host, Jen Schwanke. I think it's this week because it may be 
you know me, I, I record so far in advance, Frederick, but recently, so this is coming out sometime soon, we did a, a cycle of, I have some coaching reflective questions that I like to do with leaders. And I asked Jen for permission to do it live with her unrehearsed. And so, and so I, um, I love doing that cycle with leaders and I even practice it sometimes on myself journaling, um, to force myself into conversations that help me focus on areas where I need to challenge and change. And so if you, if there's any listeners out there who, I mean, with your permission, Frederick, I don't mind sharing my contact info. If you want to reach out and do a reflective cycle, um, with me, feel free to email me or, um, here's, or text me, um, can I, can I just get my phone number? Yeah, please. Yeah, it's, it's 918-698-3770 or will at williamdparker.com. And uh, if you want to, it can be uncomfortable, but man, it can be productive. Mm. All right. I may be giving you a call later this week. <laughs> of course, Frederick. <laughs> hey, you just, we'll kind of skip the mentor piece. I've been talking about that in other parts of okay. um, my daily email and that kind of stuff. But you just made the segue into the creating a morning routine because you mentioned journaling. And I know journaling is a really important part of my morning routine. So do you do your journaling in the morning? When do you do that? Yeah. So my morning almost always, and I know everyone's routines are different. So let's say that on the front end that, that Frederick and I describing routines is not prescriptive. So what works for you is what works for you, but it may not be what works for, for me. But for me, um, I almost start all my mornings off first with exercise because if I don't get it done first, it usually doesn't happen. And so that's kind of my first commitment is movement. So I get up uh, three days a week, I do long runs. And the other days I do like fitness and weights and stuff. Um, and then when I return home, um, then I take some time uh, to get, get a cup of coffee and do some inspiration. So for me, that's often reading devotions, but I also hold my journal with me during that morning. And so as I'm reading, um, I may be writing down the thoughts that I'm having as I'm reading um, things that are inspiring to me or scripture. But sometimes I'm also just writing down things that are coming to me, thoughts for the day. Um, sometimes that's to-dos as well. I've learned to just, if something's in my mind that's also pressing, to just write it down and get it out of my head so that I can get back to thinking about things that are more deep. Um, and then um, and then nutrition, you know, taking some time to try to eat something healthy to get that day started. So that morning routine, it just feels like such a great launch for the day. And even as a practicing administrator, that meant getting up super early so that I could try to manage that kind of routine before heading off to work. And man, was it a commitment, but man, was it so worth it. Um, and that meant for a lot of times, especially in Oklahoma, getting up and running in the dark because that's the coolest time of the day, um, you know, at 5 a.m., before I start my day. But again, that's what works for me. I'm not saying that's what works for everyone, but that's that's a, a glimpse of my morning routine. When you- How about you? You you had four kids. It's, am I remembering right? Three? Yeah. yeah. Four. So we've been through that. And I think that's one of the largest barriers when we talk about morning routine. Mm -hmm. um, don't want your kids to be barriers, but the kind of craziness that goes with getting kids ready for school and all that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. Um, so yours is really similar to mine. And, and when I've been promoting this idea of, uh, morning routine as being one of the essential things, I talk about four components movement, which you hit there right off the bat and then grounding, which is bringing ourselves into the present moment, calming the mind and 
I don't know how else to describe it, but it's that act of meditation, which can come through prayer, which the devotionals that you described, we can also ground ourselves through the journaling process. So having something there where we ground ourselves, the third piece is the self-appraisal. And I suspect that you're doing that in your journaling, that you're kind of checking in with yourself, like, how am I today? Because we can put all kinds of goals together, but if our physical, emotional states don't align with what we're trying to expect of ourselves that day, then we're going to run into problems. So I think that self-appraisal piece in that journaling, the, the thing I didn't hear you say, which I'm pretty sure that you do, is intention setting. Like once we start to wrap this up and I'm wrapping up my morning as I'm starting to move into my work, what's the intention? What am I bringing to my work today? Am I going to, are there people I know I need to reach out to and really be present for? Am I struggling to be fully present? Uh, do I need to be the person that's really greeting people with that enthusiasm? Um, do you, do you do any of that? I love that because, um, I was just I have two thoughts. One is that as a principal, when I would drive into my school each day, before I got out of my car, I would kind of repeat to myself my purpose for being there, you know, which is I want to restore, I want to repair, I want to redeem. Those are the words that I used as I stepped into school each day to kind of remind me that my work here is way bigger than putting out fires. It's actually building a community. And then um, in the work that I do now, I try to think about in terms of how do I support, inspire, and resource leaders who are also doing that. But I, I was just pulling up a text from this morning. So I was this morning reading a devotional, and I'm just going to share my practice. And if someone listening is not religious, this is just me being me. But I was reading in the, the scriptures uh, in the Gospel of Mark, where Jesus says, whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. And so my daughter, who right now is um, my adult daughter, Emily, who edits my podcast and works for me part-time, is also a full-time nanny of three triplets And uh, while she's working on a master's degree. So she's a very busy young woman. So I, I sent her that this morning, and I said, I was reading the scripture this morning and thought about you and those babies. In this context, loving children is equal to loving God. And so for me, that was a moment of, I love that word you used, a moment of intention reminding myself, what's my goal today, but also what is the goal of the people I'm supporting and loving? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. I, I think that intention setting is, that's what focuses on priorities instead of tasks. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we've got our morning routine. We're entering school. I think the next piece is leaving school and, and, um, this really was inspired by one of your guests. I think you had Helen Kelly on a couple months ago yeah. and I was listening to that podcast and just went, oh my gosh, this is so amazing. I invited you both on the show and both those episodes have, have aired so people can go back and, and listen to my interview with you, but also with Helen Kelly. She's amazing. Um, but one of the things that she talked about was how do you unplug from work? Because if you cannot unplug, mm -hmm. you you're, you're going to burn out. If you can't stop the flame, then you're going to burn out faster. And I know this is something that I really struggle with. And, and so it's something I've been trying to give more thought to. So yeah. did you have an exit plan when you were a school administrator? Like how, how did you, how did you step back into the world and start to become that father and husband that you'd wanted to be? 
Yeah. I'm glad you said it that way because I wrote down a few th things that I did to exit the school each day, but I, I want to add a few more now that you said that to how I also entered into the rest of my world. But first of all, um, when I was wrapping up a school day, it, you, you, you need to give yourself an exit time. Um, I had the privilege of having two daughters in my school. So a lot of times after school activities involved going to their events or taking them with me to events. But as I was wrapping up my office work, a lot of times I would ask myself, okay, what call or conversation do I need to have before I end of the day? That's a fire that needs to be put out. This one can't wait because sometimes people put off conversations that are going to create a nightmare for the next day if they don't deal with it. So that means making hard calls or going to see someone for a hard conversation to get that off the list, if it's possible. Sometimes it means waiting because waiting is the more appropriate things to do or letting someone know, hey, we need to wait. Let's sleep on this. But whatever the context is like, identify that situation that needs to be addressed so that you're not stepping into a disaster the next day because you didn't address it. Two is I like to make a short list of to-dos of those things I didn't finish because you never finish the things you need to do. So there's always a list of to-dos that can be worked on tomorrow. And you just have to be good with that because you can't take everything with you. And then three, this is, I think, a pivotal question. I started, and I started doing this probably in my last five years. I would ask myself as I was wrapping up, how did I move the needle today on making impact in other people's lives? And if I couldn't think of anything I did that day that, that made an impact in some significant way, a relationship, call, a conversation, a celebration, maybe sharing out something I had learned in my own work through my podcast or whatever, then I would take an action before I left my office that made me feel like I at least moved the needle one degree. And so that helped me kind of feel like, okay, this day had some satisfaction as I'm wrapping it up. Um, and then as I would come home, I think a lot of times I would have to just literally tell myself in my mind, okay, well, it's time to step out of school mode and step into family and just kind of coach myself up and give myself permission to get now, step into home now and give grace in the home, just like I've been trying to give grace at the school. Because it's when you step home, things aren't perfect here either. And there's going to be chaos and craziness and kids stuff and family stuff. And, you know, so how can I step in here with a mindset of, um, of, of grace? And then something that I've been doing lately that's been helpful and this was from Helen Kelly, is I've started, um, and I guess I did this in the past too, but I've been intentionally doing this, is like when I'm ending my work day now, I go change clothes. Sometimes I'll take a shower. Sometimes I'll do something that physically changes the atmosphere of my mindset so that I'm like purposefully now casual will ready to just be home will. I love that. And I, I love the way you laid it out because you ending your day begins with laying the foundation for tomorrow because once you once you have that laid that that gives you i think mental permission to start to let go of it and and then including reflection at the end of the day and we'll revisit that in just a second and the the question of what impact did you have is just absolutely beautiful i would encourage everybody to end their day with that and the caveat if you didn't feel you did that then think about one small thing that you can do to move that needle. And then the putting in the physical trigger, I think is so critical. One of the things I was really thinking about as I was putting this together was that, that ride home, that commute home, because I used to use it a lot as 
processing time. And then later in my career, I used it to listen to educational podcasts. And, and what I've realized is I kind of abused my commute home because I used it as professional time. So here I'm trying to close out at work, but then I get in the car and I start feeding my brain again. So now I walk in the house and I'm thinking about the podcast of yours that I used to listen to all the time and um, on the on the drive. I don't drive anymore, but you know I've messed myself up. And so one of the epiphanies I think I've had in putting this stuff together is realizing that drive home, we need to be focusing on home as you ride home right? So listen to an entertainment podcast, listen to music, be thinking about, you know, what are your kids' activities and what you're looking forward to seeing your kid or whatever you're going to do at home. I, I think we need to get better at using that time to go into home, just like the drive into school is probably where we're starting to think about school. That's good stuff, Frederick. And again, none of the things you and I are sharing are prescriptive. So what works for us may not work for you. So figure out what that is for you. Um, because for you, that might mean movement happens after school. It might mean that you take that car ride home and you're making your phone calls because that's the only time you can make a phone call. Whatever works for you. But it's I think that the, the goal here is that you're intentionally identifying parts of your day where you can set goals be present, identify where you're making impact, and then be ready for that transition so that you're being the best you can be in each of those settings. Yeah, absolutely. That intentionality, I think, is a key word there. And, and that really leads us to that final practice, which is anchoring reflective practices. Mm -hmm. And we've actually already in this conversation talked about two times where we're building reflection into the day, one in the morning, you with well, both of us with our journaling practices. And then at the end of the day, at the end of the work day, where you're reflecting back on your day. So those are two really critical pieces. And I want to suggest three other places that we can anchor reflective practices. One is getting in the habit of meeting. It doesn't have to be every Friday, but as often as possible, Friday afternoon with your principal or with a mentor or somebody that there's something to me magical about Friday afternoon, the building's emptied out. It's just you and that other leader or two other people where we can sit and process the week. To me, that is just an amazingly powerful practice. The second thing would then be making sure that you are meeting occasionally with your community and processing there, reflecting as a group. And then that final one is... I'm, I don't know really how to frame it, but it's kind of the, the big reflection. Every few months, if you can clear the schedule for an hour or two hours and have the space to really reflect on, on yourself, who are you as a human? How, how have you been doing things? How's your leadership? reflect on your impact, reflect on your organization, and just take that time to really dig in. If we can do that quarterly or once a semester, I think that's a big win. So those are the three places that I would add reflective practices that we haven't talked about. That's so helpful. And I'm glad you said that about meeting and reflecting with your fellow leaders, because that's such an important practice. And one that I've 
I'm glad you because I had forgotten Frederick how often that was a part of my daily practice too with leaders was just to touch base. How are you doing? Let's walk through these scenarios together, and that out loud reflecting together can be a super great way to digest what happened and where could we do things better. I love to talk about the learning cycle that we do in classrooms and then ask, how can you apply that to your own leadership in life? Because it's all the same in a great classroom. You're always asking first the question, what do I not know? And then you're discovering new information that is going to impact how you behave and learn and apply it. And then you have to ask after applying it, what did it, I learned from that and how could I do it differently the next time? And then how am I going to apply this new knowledge moving forward? That learning cycle happens when you're teaching reading. It happens when you're teaching science. It happens when you're teaching mathematics. It happens when you're dis when you're teaching speech and debate. It doesn't matter the, the content area, band and music. Um, but it also happens in our leadership. So one of those, that's one of the reasons why I think um, for me, um, 10 years ago when I started blogging, my blog was built around reflections on the lessons I was learning in leadership, which became something that was not only helpful for others, but it was really helpful for me. And so I, I've told listeners this, Frederick, but I, maybe I'm a bit of a narcissist, but I, I have gone back to my own content over and over and over again, because there's lessons I've learned then that I still need to be practicing now. And it really helps me to go back and read the things that I've learned because sometimes I forget, or sometimes I forgot that that learning cycle brought me to this understanding that I may need to be applying again. So, so the practices sometimes may be journaling. Um, I mentioned my friend, Nick Davies, he started um, interviewing leaders to learn from them. And then he puts together a 10 minute audio journal, just recording the three things I learned from this leader this week. So for him, and then I've got another friend like Luke Croy, who does videos for lessons he's learning as an assistant principal. And so it can be blogging, journaling, podcasting, videoing yourself, talking to another friend. It doesn't, there's a lot of different ways that you can reflect, um, but figure out what works for you and give yourself permission to, to practice that cycle. And you just talked about having to kind of relearn things or be reminded of things. And I think that's a great caveat to put on the discussion we've had. Like I shared last week, two weeks ago on the podcast, my morning routine. I have a really structured morning routine, but I don't do it every day. It's my aspiration. And that's what I think the things that we're talking about here, one, you have to adjust them to your situation, but then you have to recognize that in a sense, they're aspirational. This is what we want to do. And I know for me, there are a lot of days I fall down. There are a lot of days I get out of bed and I don't do my movement and, and so we have to give ourselves permission that to not be perfect yeah. and, and to understand we're not going to hit this every day, but having it there makes it more likely that we're going to do that. And, and, and the repetition makes it more likely, but we can't get in a habit of, oh, I didn't do this piece. I didn't, I didn't invest in my journal this morning. So we can't beat ourselves up because then that becomes counterproductive. Yeah. So as we're getting ready to transition and wrap up, Frederick, um, I just have to be in the moment myself, which is to acknowledge that behind you, there are a couple of really cool guitars sitting in your in your office. So so are you a musician? And when are you going to entertain us with a little bit of uh, uh, music? 
Yeah, no, I think they're they're not quite props because I do pick them up. I am not, I'm not a player. Uh, my oldest kid is, is an incredible guitarist. Um, yeah. I'm not. And, and I mean, we go to intention, right? One of the reasons they're sitting in this office is because I want to pick them up. I'm not going to take an hour to practice, but I use a time, time block method in my work. So the idea is every hour I can stop for five minutes and pick up and play, but that's the intention. I don't always follow through. So yeah, I can strum a few bars, uh, but not a musician, not giving you a concert. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> well, I've, got, I've got three hanging back there. Oh, in my, in my office too. And a keyboard. So and I, a keyboard. Uh, yeah. So I, I love to play, but, um, I haven't, I haven't, uh, enjoyed it today, but probably before the end of the day, I'll take some mm. time to just play music, which is another way for me to, reconnect with inspiration and to reconnect with something I love. There's just another part of your brain that happens when you're playing music. And so, um, so I, I know that was a funny question to ask in the middle of this, but it's, I think another good reminder that those things that are not connected to your work at all can be so helpful in keeping you grounded and helping you be human. Yeah, absolutely. Well, on the day I can hit a B chord cleanly, I will call you and we can we can <laughs> sing together or play together. <laughs> oh, I, I still can't hit, hit those B chords uh, very, very well, but musicians out there game. know what we're talking about. Uh -huh. uh, well, I think we've already dug in and hit some, some really important things. Right, is there anything else that you want to bring to this? And I'm thinking in the middle of the day, we, right? We've got the morning, we've got the end. Are there any things that you can tips you can give assistant principals or other school leaders, little ways to take care of yourself during the day. Yeah. So let me say this. Um, and I'm always trying to be a teacher. So forgive me for being so intentional, but what I just did was what you should be doing. Be in the moment. So like when you're walking your school, when you're observing classes, when you're hanging out in the cafeteria, when you're managing IEP meetings, whatever it is, be present. You're going to see something about someone that sparks curiosity. So ask a question. Hey, that's a cool hat. Where did you get that? Or I noticed that your shirt it says Colorado. Did you guys get to go vacation there this summer? Just be in the moment. Be curious about people and recognize the things right in front of you that could spark conversations, build relationships. Now, the other thing I would say is capture memories. So as you're experiencing those moments of like, oh, that was cool, or wow, that was a neat observation of this teacher or student doing something cool, write it down or take a picture or take a video and then share it with someone because then you're expanding that moment of learning and excitement and awe beyond yourself, which is why I also encourage people to share celebrations. So I, I had a habit of when I walked through school, just like literally keeping a note in my phone or on, in my notepad of, of the cool things I was seeing. And when I would get back to my office, I would send out like a kudos email of kudos. These are some cool things I saw walking through the school third period today. And I might just list the different kids and teachers I saw doing stuff because it was a way to share and expand. This is what's happening in our community. And then the last thing I'll, I'll say, Frederick, and I think I've said this to you before, but I, 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 I just have to say it almost every time I'm speaking to leaders, which is give yourself permission to love your students. No matter how much you're having to administer discipline or consequences or, um, and this works with teachers too, 
um, accountability. All those are a part of your responsibilities, especially for assistant principals. Um, but it works for every educator. But but while doing those things, and I'm not talking about being gushy or inappropriate. I'm just be, but give yourself permission to admire the 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 human qualities, the dignity, the uniqueness of every person that you're dealing with, and when you treat them with that kind of respect and love, it's going to make your work um, a service and not a job. Mm. That's beautiful. And I think it's the people that need you most that are going to be finding their way into your office or, or whatever the most. Mm -hmm. You, you kind of closed the loop, the loop on this conversation, Will, because what you just talked about was those small things, which is about being present, right? Being present to noticing all of the little things in the environment and then being curious about that, which is like where we started for me with that big cliff, but then the flowers and being present to those small flowers. And so those guitars on the wall or that, that t-shirt that somebody's wearing or the ball cap or just some little comment they make, those are the little flowers. Those are the small things. And that being present is going to tap us into that. So, Ooh, I think we can almost put a bow tie on this, on this episode. Yeah, man. Well, I hope you post some photos of your amazing hike so I can see them. So funny thing is, as I talk about being present and not having my head in my work, at the end of each day, Pam and I would be in the tent and we would do a little debrief and we recorded them. And, and now we've come up with 25 leadership lessons from hiking the Penine Way. So, <laughs> All right. How do I get them? Uh, I've talked about a couple of them on the podcast. I'm kind of dripping them out, but uh, our intention is to put put together a book. So we're trying to budget in an hour or so every evening and get that, get that worked out. So, so oh, I love it all and fun. Uh, and what a beautiful way to, to hold on to those memories together. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's so good. And all right, and Frederick. Well, um, someday when I grow up, I want to be you. So, uh, <laughs> so you can send me your map and your travel log. And when you, I want to be the first one to buy your book. So let me know when it's ready. Uh, thank you, Will. You know, we have three more questions. So that first one is, what part of your own leadership are you get, eh, still trying to get better at? Wow. I think I'm right now trying to get better at systems. So I actually hired a business coach myself um, as I'm stepping into this work full-time. So I've been tracking um, my to-dos, just trying to give myself an idea of how much time I'm spending on what so that mm -hmm. I can better focus on where I can make the most difference. Yeah. And second question, if listeners could take away just one thing from today's podcast, what would that be? I would say relationships, because in all of those conversations that we were having about intention, about reflection, about connecting with other leaders, about um, trust, about being in the moment. It's all about people. And so I love how you say that, Frederick. It's people, not process. Final question, where can people learn more? I know you shared your phone number and email earlier, but let's repeat that again so people can reach out. Yeah. Well, I have a website with my name. And back when I started blogging, I just decided that would be the easiest way for me to call it whatever I wanted to. So William 
dparker.com. You'll find all my resources, books, podcasts, and services, and you can connect with me. Or you can email me at will at williamdparker.com. Will, fun as always. Thanks, brother. All right. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks for coming on. Yeah. All right. Bye. When I was developing the content for this fall and decided to focus on self-care, I kept reflecting back to Will's story and my own experiences. I wanted to develop some essentials that would prevent you from being in the position of having that tough conversation with your spouse or partner, or not being present with your kids or other relations, or worse, not having someone who would give you the tough talk and having your life slowly erode under your feet as you gave your all to your school. This was born the four essentials, a support network, morning routine, afternoon exit, and reflective practice. You just heard a veteran principal of the year describe how he put these things into practice. This is just my opinion, but if it's good enough for Will, I think it's good enough for you and I. So here's my challenge. If you go to my website, frederickbuskey.com, anytime during the month of August, 2023, you'll be greeted with a pop-up that will take you to a registration page for my support network checklist. You'll get the checklist and a sequence of five emails to help you thoughtfully identify your support network. In the final email, you'll find a link to sign up for my free course covering the other three essentials, the morning routine, afternoon exit from work, and the reflective practices. This is not a shameless promotion of my stuff. I put this content together because I believe that it will help you stay in the game longer. Thank you for including me on your leadership journey. If you'd like to walk more with me, I have a couple simple ways to do so. First, invest no money but a little time and download the free checklist I just talked about. Second, you can invest $9 a month and about 20 minutes of your time to become a supporting member of our community. You'll get early and unfettered access to our free courses, a discussion area, a library of past content, and the occasional webinar. You'll also be helping me to continue investing both time and money in producing this podcast, writing the daily email, and producing the free content. Finally, you can become a full member of our Apex community at $69 a month and join me for monthly group coaching and lots of other perks. You can get the details and links to all of these on my website at frederickbuskey.com. I look forward to seeing you again on Friday when I recap the week's emails. Teaser, I talk about my first year of teaching physical education in an elite overseas school. Please remember to subscribe and rate this podcast. Rating the show helps others find it. And if you want to be a super fan, consider leaving a review. Again, you'll be helping others find the show and you'll make me smile. I'm Frederick Buskey, and thank you again for joining me on this episode of the Assistant Principal Podcast. Cheers. Cheers.